Are, are you good over there so we can start recording? We're good? We're good? Yeah, we're good. We're good? All right. All right. Are Glad you sure? Oh, we're recording, boys. When? Right right now. Why don't you do count down with the fingers? Why? I'll give you a finger. That's all you need, sir. Don't you worry. Well, are you going to count down with them? Because I don't know when and we're starting. One. And one. Yeah. And one. This, no, you can't do the one. It's a silent one. Come on. We're professionals. Yeah, well, I don't know about all of us. We're at but... least, there's at least two professionals on this podcast. Wow, you're going to count That's that right. high, huh? Wow. <laughs> all right. There you go. Thanks, Dom. At a minute. I hope, we, really hope we never have six. <laughs> he, he'd be out of off of that hand. Boys, so. welcome to episode 595 of Geeks of TNG. Um, the one I'm calling as good as it gets. I have a better name for it. What do you have? When the centipede bites. Oh. So last oh. night I got indoctrinated into a I like that. Hawaiian ritual. <laughs> okay. And I was uh asleep in my bed at about 2 30 a.m. Uh-huh. When a seven inch centipede uh crawled into my bed up onto my arm which was resting right next to my face on my dad okay uh and proceeded to bite me in the arm <laughs> and you just watch this happen okay. in slow motion oh no no dude i was asleep you know like i think i had a momentary like panic feeling <laughs> of being awake okay like when it hit my arm, and then as I realized something was on my arm and I went to shoo it away, it bit me. So I flung it into, you know, my Space. my room. <laughs> I quickly got up and turned on the light. And there he was. <laughs> All seven inches of him mm -hmm. trying to get away and hide. And I quickly dispatched him into the netherworld. <laughs> uh, he left two tiny Dracula spaced holes in my arm. And when I tell you, people say, people compare it to a bee sting. Okay. When I was a kid, I went to a 4 H fair in Caldwell at Caldwell, what is now Caldwell University in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I was, uh, uh, I, I was, thought I was being helpful. I was very young. I was maybe eight maybe nine much less a big kev than i am now <laughs> and they had a little like a model rocketry demo in the field there and one of the rockets got up in a tree and i volunteered to be hoisted up into the tree to get the rocket well, i didn't realize the rocket landed next to a hornet's nest <laughs> oh and uh, and I got stung 23 times. That's not an exaggeration. There were 23 stings. A couple other people got stung, me 23 times. Uh, had to go to the hospital, all that. They compare this centipede, uh, centipede bite uh, to like a bee sting or, uh, you know, like that. Uh -huh. Bullshit. Because <laughs> I got stung by 23 hornets, which are the hardest motherfuckers to get stung by. I got I got bit once by this thing. It's excruciating, even at this moment. Hey, look at the, look at the bright side. This could be like the sequel to My Girl, and now you have COVID twenty. Yeah, so, that's great. Just what Kevin, I mean. my question for you is: How much yes. damage did you take on that attack? 
Uh, I don't know because um, I don't know what the new damage tables are. So, <laughs> so and I don't go. know that was this a giant centipede at seven inches? I really couldn't say. And was <laughs> was is it because because of uh, you know his location and origin? Is he being removed from D and D altogether? There you go. So. We'll That's something to consider as well. We'll discuss that later. But for right now, boys, let's just hit on our Patreon.com uh, slash TNG platform where people can help us out uh, on the show in various ways. For just a buck, uh, you can be part of our Discord service, which, by the way, we're going to uh, – I've been talking to the members of Discord. We're going to try to do like a, a little like a streaming movie marathon kind of thing. So think of it as a – like a mystery science theater kind of little project that we're going to be working on there. Oh, uh, yeah. For $3, uh, you'll get the latest show a day and a half early, which is usually on a Tuesday night, uh, and a sneak, pre- a sneak peek at uh, each week's prep sheet. For $5, you get uh, the weekend bonus show, as well as a vintage episode of uh, Ye Old uh, Big Kev's Geek Stuff. And for $10 a month, you check us out on the lovely Instagrams, which I forgot to actually click and join. So there you go. Um, yeah, so that's our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash geekstufftng. So, that's it there, boys. We have a lot that we need to hit on today. So, uh, I, I say we, uh, we we go about our lovely way and, uh, and do that right now. Uh, first off the bat, we have some Mandalorian news. Uh, we're going to be getting a lot more Mandalorian beyond Disney+. StarWars.com announced that various books... Featuring the franchise will be coming out for all for fans of all ages. Uh, just some of them. Uh, we'll get the art of the Mandalorian. Uh, we're going to get an original uh, story of a, an adult novel, and an eight by eight storybook, and a whole bunch or a few more rather. Uh, the books will be released between this fall and then the spring. Uh, and if that's not enough for you, we're going to be getting some uh, comic books between Marvel and IDW, as well as some magazines, some novelty books. And uh, some coloring books. So uh, something sandwich will uh, definitely like to indulge in, in some capacity and a few other things. Um, listen, I- I'm all about this. If Obviously, we're going to be getting the show later this year. They say that everything's on track despite all the, the COVID issues, uh, which is solid. And, um, you know, people love The Mandalorian, so give it to them. Why the hell not? So if, so, the, if the art of the Mandalorian book features the art that they feature during the credit sequences, mm-hmm. I'm all over that book. Totally agree with you. Yeah, because that is some stunning shit right there. And it's going to be, ba, 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 I'm looking at it now. It says the page count is 256 pages. Nice. Um, so I'm sure it'll be more than that. More will, than um, just the art at the end of the episode. Yeah, it says Illa, 300 color illustrations spread throughout the book. So it looks like they'll do maybe like a double format thing on, on some pages. Uh, it's going to be uh, just under 12 inches by 11 inches. So uh, lots of stuff there. Um, I mean, it looks like there's going to be a lot more nicer coffee table books for us to enjoy more than anything else. Yeah. I think for some like the visuals and those wait, Kev, what you were just saying, those, uh, the, the artwork that they had at the end of each episode, phenomenal. Those yeah. Are- it's like, it's, it's kind of like storyboarding, uh, artwork, but it seems more finished and complete than storyboarding. Uh, I yeah. mean, they're really, really amazing. That's some really amazing imagery 
And uh, yeah, I would love to have a book of that. Yeah, it says here um, on this one book, it's going to have, uh, it's going to feature exclusive concept art, characters and costume sketches, vehicles and creature designs. So who knows if it's part of it? I'm sorry? Art book. Yeah. So again, nice coffee table books. The the cover of it looks pretty good just um, with Mandalorian holding uh, Baby Yoda and everything. So. Uh, it, it kind of perfect right before the holiday season. Sounds like something everyone's going to want to get a hold of there. So, so, uh, Mr. Kev, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Do you think now that, you know, I think, well, I think they've announced, I don't know how official it is that we're at the end of the Skywalker saga, you know, there'll be no more movies focused on Skywalkers. Do you think the Mandalorian is kind of the next step in star Wars where we're going to, the Mandalorian's going to carry us into the next bit? Or do you think we're still looking at a movie trilogy that will step up in the semi near future? Yeah. Mandalorian is an entirely new product. It's a live action TV show. So there's going to be, and as we know, there's going to be at least three of them that we know of for sure. Uh, Mandalorian, um, Obi-Wan and, uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember. Um, the 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 Rogue One, Caspian, Cassian, Cassian Andor. Yeah. So those we know those three shows are coming. That's an entirely new product that exists within the realm of the what are we calling it? The Skywalker universe. It's just the Star Wars universe, really. And then the films. It just depends on who you believe and what you read. I mean, there's a whole bunch of scuttle going around right now which I'm sure came right out of the basement of uh, uh, the basement apartment of some dweebs who just can't get over the fact that that Disney trilogy, which is what it's being referred to as that the Disney trilogy was so terrible. And it was, I I agree with them. Um, There's so much dissension, dissension that a rumor has begun that um, Lucasfilm wants to do another trilogy uh do another trilogy of of sequels but that pick up after return of the jedi so in other words uh force awakens and the the, the current disney trilogy the current uh the the last three right um actually will end up having taken place in an alternate universe ah and the key to this alternate universe That's, is these mirrors that appear in Rise of Skywalker with Palpatine. And there's this whole conspiracy theory out there that, you know, that they understand the fans are so upset with these films that they need to reset and do three more better films with one presumes Luke and Han, no Leia. Uh, and, and and tell a different story. That's that's what's currently, you know, wafting up from the basement of the great unwashed, disappointed masses. So um, uh, I I honestly think it's going to be a new set of movies. Probably it's going to be a couple of years away yet. Um, it's going to be an. I would hope. I would imagine it's going to be in a different time period. And again, depending on who you believe, it could be Old Republic. You know, it could be. I mean, I think if they were smart, they'd go far into the future and do um, uh, that Dark Horse comic. There was a Dark Horse comic. Uh, and the, the main character was 
Cade Skywalker, you know, who was a distant relative of Luke Skywalker, and Luke appeared to him as a Jedi. It's this whole thing. I can't remember for the life of me. I can't remember the name of that book. Um, but that was an amazing, amazing book in an amazing mm-hmm. universe, and and I, I would love to see them do that. But no, I, to 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 just kind of put a finer point on it. No. Mandalorian was the first foray into a new product, which is TV shows. And uh, I hope all the rest of them do as well as this one. And what I mean do as well, I mean are as good. So, uh, Onabox had a good uh, comment in our uh, Instagram saying, uh, the Mandalorian is like the palate cleaner to get us ready for something new besides the Skywalker movies. So, just, Yeah, uh, some, something a bit more Star Wars, I yeah. think, would be appropriate. Um, so moving on beyond the world of Disney and Star Wars, uh, Comedy Central is bringing back one of the most hotly contested cartoons of the 90s. Uh, Beavis and Butthead are being revived. Uh, the deal includes two seasons, spinoffs, and some specials. Uh, creator Mike Judge is coming back for the relaunch of the show. Judge will write, produce, and voice over the two characters. He said, quote, it seemed like the time was right to get, uh, to get stupid again. Uh, now, some may also be asking why an M- a classic MTV show will be going to Comedy Central, but it's worth pointing out that Viacom CBS owns both networks, so the kids will play nicely together in the sandbox there. So the problem with this is, is it going to be just the two of them just sort of being stupid? Who knows? Or are they going to do... I mean, we're we're not in the video era anymore, are we? No. So are they going to be? They're not going to be commenting on videos. I think. Are they? I'm almost curious if they're going to uh, age up the characters and just have them uh, approach life differently than what they did twenty five ish years ago. You know. I don't know. I honestly think, if I'm being completely honest, I think Beavis and Butthead was a product of its era, and I think the era is past, and I don't see, I mean, at best, you're looking at a ham-handed, even if they did what you said, Monty, it's going to be a little ham-handed and and sad, really, you know, because those won't be the characters that, it's like, no, no offense, because we haven't seen it yet, and I'm really not a big fan. But Bill and Ted, mm-hmm. you know, Bill and Ted exist for me as a completely period, uh, you know, a product of that generation, a product of that time period. And I honestly think I, I'm I have full trepidation with regards to this new Bill and Ted movie. I'm a little more interested in seeing it, see which direction they go than I am in seeing what they do with Beavis and Butthead because Beavis and Butthead's strength was making fun of music videos. Yeah. Their strength was not the stuff in between. No, their you know, the strength mystery. was not whatever. Yeah. Whatever the little storyline was, go watch the movie. The movie's kind of, eh, you know, because there's no videos in it. So, you know, I don't know. I, I really feel like, uh, uh, it was a product of its time. And I think it's time has passed. So, I, I, mean, I don't know. I guess I'll, we'll see. I, I agree with the point of uh, I enjoyed the music videos. I thought they were fantastic on there. Uh, it's the same way I would. En- I enjoy and I used to and I still do with uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000. 
I exactly. Mean, that's, it's that's the same a, premise. Exactly. It's just a different kind of uh, uh, format of sorts. Um, but but that's my I don't point, know which though. one of them came first, but one of them definitely fed off the other. I would I would I mean if I had a gamble, I would say Mystery Science Theater, but I'd have to look that up for sure. Uh, Sandwich, you can go look that up in the meantime. Um, what? <laughs> what came first, Mystery Science Theater three thousand or Beavis and Butthead in the nineties? Okay. Um, but yeah, uh, I will be interested to at least see what that first episode is about or, or the premise before uh, going on. If they kind of keep it the same thing, but they're just streaming the stuff on YouTube, like a, a YouTube music video, then I, I, I don't really care. Um, you know what? Let's stick with some stuff that actually might annoy Kev a little bit more. Oh, good. I love when we pick those things when I'm in pain. Oh, it's okay. Uh, Ron <laughs> Perlman is opening up more about what happened with the Hellboy film franchise. The 70-year-old said uh, the following in the comic book movie interview. He said, quote, The only thing that's stopping the third Hellboy film is the fact that Guillermo del Toro is one of the busiest guys in the business, Perlman said. Uh, he couldn't do it with all the stuff he's got lined up, uh, even if he wanted to. The two films had nothing to do with one another. The reboot was something I had the opportunity to participate in and decided that the only version of Hellboy I'm interested in is the one to do with Guillermo. Uh, and so I'm walking away from it. I truly wanted to, uh, I truly walked away from it and haven't seen or heard much about it. I wish them well, uh, but it was not uh, in my, uh, there's a misspelling here, uh, but it was not in his fortune uh, to make it happen. Um, I this just, I, this kind of just upsets me because uh, the, the first two Hellboy movies were so much fun. The last oh, yeah. one was just, Fucking disappointing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It, it was dre- it was dreadful. It wasn't disappointing. It was a disgrace. Yeah. It really was a disgrace. I mean, yeah. it was really bad. And you know, I think it's interesting that Ron Perlman is coming out now and, and telling that version of the story because you know that's not the version that Guillermo del Toro told. You know, Guillermo del Toro, I, I you know, again, I mean we've we've talked about this. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I'll say it again, Guillermo del Toro back in the day was very busy, was very, you know, I mean, he's still a busy guy, obviously. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the guy won an Academy Award for best picture. The guy's doing some stuff. So, you know, it's not like he's sitting idly around that aside. He said that he was waiting for our old friend, Mike, (laughs) the Muppet Magnola uh to you know to kind of figure it out because Guillermo's position was he wouldn't make a movie without Ron and he wouldn't make it without Mike Mike Mignola. And so at one point Guillermo tweets out uh you know everybody's been asking me about Hellboy 3 is Hellboy 3 something that you guys would like to see? And he got like a gazillion whatever responses of course yes la 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 and then he said, all right, I'll ask Ron. And then Ron Perlman tweets out, uh, hey, Guillermo just said you guys want Hellboy 3. I'm in, or some shit like that, mm-hmm. right? And then all of a sudden, there's silence for what I imagine is several weeks. And then Guillermo posts uh, something along the lines of Hellboy 3 without me or some such nonsense. Because Mike the Muppet Magnola decided to go and develop a reboot movie with somebody else, didn't tell Guillermo, 
didn't tell Ron Perlman, and they were in the dark until the movie was already cast and in pre-production. That's the way I've always heard the story. If Ron Perlman says, oh, he was just too busy, well, then why'd they reboot it? You know, then why didn't he do it? Mm -hmm. You know, they rebooted it because Mignola wanted to reboot it and do and do three movies in a different way than Guillermo had done it. And I, you know, and I seem to recall, and maybe I'm wrong about this, and you can give us a call at the GVM line. 201-730-2547. When um, uh, I seem to recall Mike Mignola saying something about uh, Guillermo's Hellboy uh, in the first movie or the second movie, or he wasn't happy or some shit. I could, I, I might be wrong about that, but I seem to recall something like that, which would make the dick move of going out and doing a reboot even more dickish. So another nail in the coffin of uh, Mike Mignola, in my opinion. Yeah. Too bad there. Uh, let's go on. This one will actually kind of make Kev a little happy. So it's okay. Uh, the, uh, the Josh Gad reunited a part of Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller's Fucking awesome. I watched it before we uh, started recording. It was really good. I think it was oh, about yeah, it 30, was. 40 minutes, give or take. And Something like, yeah, it's a bit, just a bit under an hour. They had a wide span of people too, which I thought was really great. Yeah. The one outstanding person who was not there was Jeffrey Jones. Who played uh, the principal? Yeah, that's true. That is true. I didn't think about Ed that. Rooney. Yeah. yeah, he was not there. Now, I feel like the reason that he was not there is because he's kind of on that cast off island with Kevin Spacey and, uh, you know, a few other people because he had a couple of problems several years ago. Oh, I don't know. I don't know anything about these problems, but yeah. Uh, so you can go ahead and look that one up. Not, not, not really a great story, especially since he's, I think he's a great performer. Mm -hmm. I've never really seen him in anything. I, I even liked him in Howard the Duck. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I've always liked, played the emperor uh, of of uh, Vienna or whatever the hell it was in my favorite movie Amadeus. People keeping track that is my favorite movie. Um, and he played the emperor in that. He played uh, what's it the husband in Beetlejuice. He was mm -hmm. in Deadwood. He was like the guy who owned the newspaper in Deadwood. I always and not to mention Edward Rooney is a just a cornerstone character. I think in American films, certainly in any John Hughes movie for sure and. He was not included, I guess, for obvious reasons, and they didn't even mention him. And, you know, to have something like that, I think, and I don't think they've run into this before, but to have something like that that's so relied on that sort of antagonist uh, and to not have him be present was the only thing that was sort of remotely disappointing about that episode. Did you know, Monty, by the way, that that was the last one? I, I mean, I, I didn't realize it until watching the show and everything. Uh, I don't know yeah. if they're going to take a few months off to try to get more people on board to do the show. Like, kind of just take like a little intermission for the summertime. Um, you know, because I mean, sometimes I mean, it can be a little hard getting a hold of people. But we're still in quarantine, or at least some people are. So, uh, 
I don't I don't know what the game plan is, but uh I mean I would this was I mean this was a fantastic episode. I would like to see more. In fact, I want to go back to the other ones that I skipped thinking like, eh, how good can they be? Oh, uh, I saw them all. I thought they were really all of them really brilliant. Uh and you know, like it and again, you know, again the antagonist, if you will, in Back to the Future is Biff. Mm-hmm. Biff did not appear in the episode. However, he did appear as uh, a masked guy with sunglasses on saying how terrible the show was. <laughs> That's pretty funny. So they had a little bit of him, which mm-hmm. I thought was great, but I would have much more liked him to have been there with the group. That aside, again, it was still an amazing, the Back to the Future one was still an amazing amazing episode yeah, and lord we- of the rings and all and goonies all of them if you haven't checked them out go to youtube and google josh gad you get to his page they're all on there and all the like the little teasers they did and there's some outtakes mm-hmm. and some other things that are really funny yeah definitely check that out that's a I, that's a winning formula there and i don't know if anyone's paying him for that yet but i'd sell it if i were him do you uh now you're not you're not insinuating that there's issues with like Tom Wilson and the rest of the cast. Do you think that was just like a maybe he wasn't available that day for the I, recording? I think yeah, that's what I think. I think it was I think well, I've never heard of it, Tom Wilson having anything uh, uh uh any beef with any of the cast. I've never heard that. I've never heard it either. So, In fact, I see him I see them at shows and I see them yeah. doing stuff together and they look friendly and, and everything, so yeah, and he's um, like he hasn't downloaded any child porn or been inappropriate with women that I know of. So he's I, he's clearly on the radar. He's out. He's a stand-up comedian. He's out there doing stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like it's not that he's not out there. I I have a feeling maybe it was a scheduling thing. Sounds like, and that. that's why he did that little bit. He was he was super nice to me when I met him uh, at that horror show a few years ago. Um, and even, and he busted my balls, which, which is always appreciative. Um, moving on, let's hit on this. Uh, Disney is reshuffling their movie schedule some more. Uh, it's taking the live action adaptation of Mulan, which was going to be released on March 27th, was then going to be released July 24th and is now slated for August 21st. Uh, it's scheduled to go up against Lion Gate's horror film, uh, Antebellum and the focus, uh, feature drama, Let Him Go. Uh, it's also going to be going up against Disney Plus's uh, animated movie, the only, uh, the, the one, one and, and only, only Ivan. Yes. Um, so, why am I bringing this up? I'm bringing this up because uh, this year, this was supposed to be. Now, the, forget what you think about with the uh, Disney live adaptation films. Put that aside. Uh, di- this was supposed to be Disney's the big bank movie of the year. These films, the all these live adaptation films have made buco bucks for yeah. the mouse. Um, I mean, take a maybe forget Lady and the Tramp. Uh, I mean, I if I think they all crossed the billion dollar mark or close to it on some of these, like a majority of them or whatever the case may be. Did they? Well, Aladdin did. Okay. Um, Lion King did. Lion King did. All right, all right. Um, drawing a right. blank on some of the other ones, but they, they've done Jungle well. Jungle Book. They've done, uh, yeah. I don't know what Jungle Book did off the top of my head, um, but anywho, this was supposed to be between this and and Black Widow. Black Widow wasn't going to have the same the same kind of box office they're hoping for, um, uh, unless it was a sleeper hit. But this is the one that they were really counting on. 
So what happens here with Mulan, whenever it does get released, is going to dictate a lot of other films um, that are going to be coming out at the exact same time and what they're scheduling around it as well. So it's one of those, <coughs> excuse me, it's one of those things where <coughs> Mulan is the, the chess piece kind of, of what's going to be happening around it. So you have to kind of just take that into consideration, I think, um, so, with what, what they're doing. What's up, Sandwich? You know what this says to me? This says to me, McDonald's still has time to get the special Mulan and the Szechuan sauce out for the release of the movie. We gave them even more time. Can you believe... Can you believe that joke is almost three years old? <laughs> <laughs> three years ago, we were having those discussions, and people were posting on eBay like old, old, old yeah, like old sauces of the Szechuan sauce for hundreds of dollars, and they were they were selling. Hey, God bless them, man. If you're able to sell that, how? Yeah, if I had an old pack, cat McDonald's packet that I could sell for 100 bucks, yeah. Uh, It's probably great. like, like, let me go in the back of my car that I've had and never cleaned once in fucking uh, over a decade. I'm surprised surprised you didn't strike it rich in Larry. (laughs) Nah. Nah. Larry had like a whole, I think, like, five dollars of change left in them by the time i cleaned them out so you know i bought myself a gatorade and and a a thing of candy (laughs) called it a day (laughs) the off-brand candy too uh the other thing just to kind of hit on ew like circus peanuts yeah uh (laughs) we are also going to get uh see bill and ted as you mentioned before kev uh it is going to be getting pushed back as well uh it was originally supposed to be hitting theaters on august 14th um, but is going to be pushed back, uh, just, just two weeks. November. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's no, it. Was it November? No, just two weeks. Oh, no, I thought they might move it to November. Oh, 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 like oh, I thought, I thought you were reading something thing. different. Um, yeah, again, this is kind of not so much that this is going to impact like the way, um, uh, Mulan or anything like that, but things are just going to be shuffled around. It's going to be a shit show for releases, uh, to the end of the year. They only, you know. Maybe people are just going to, outside of the, the huge blockbusters, maybe they're going to just kind of figure out what's going on first with uh, uh, at-home releases and shows and everything. But it, all it, also, assumes, it also assumes that theaters are going to be open by that, then. I was just about to say, it all depends what's going to happen with COVID and, and all yeah, this stuff. And, and, the the, yeah, and the current wisdom seems to be that we're getting worse, not better. So <laughs> Dramatically. I don't see. Wave two is on route. Yeah, I, I don't well, see how we're still in wave one happen. technically. Wave two doesn't happen until we hit zero. Uh, yeah, but I, I like I said, I've mentioned before, I have friends who are ER doctors, uh, working paramedics, and they may be going down to Florida or out west to kind of help out uh, with the way things are going. Jesus. Uh, Jeez. so 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 on top of Bill and Ted, wear a mask and be safe, people. That's that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, moving on, uh, Candyman, they dropped a new 30 second promo for the film. Um, dude, I'm all in on this. I mean, Candyman, I think the original came out in 91 ish. Is Tony Todd playing Candyman? Uh, it is, I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but either way, it looks creepy as fuck. Uh, I want to see it. I think this is going to be a uh, considering what's going on with our uh, 
um, in the news at the same time with some of the headlines. I think this also might be kind of proper the way the fact that this film is coming out. Uh, I think jo Jordan Peele is produce writing and producing this film, at least producing. That's for sure. Uh, I don't know what he's writing. Um, but well, yeah, it's can, not like he has anything else to do. Well, or anybody. Isn't Twilight Zone done? Uh, well, they just released season two. I don't know if it's like done, oh. done those, done those, but uh, yeah, um, which I still haven't watched any of that. Oh yeah, it's, uh, the film is from 1992. Um, all I can say is it's worth checking out the first, uh, the original movie, 92 sandwich. I actually have this on DVD. I can let, I can borrow it. I can let you borrow it. Uh, no, I'm okay. All right, fine. Sandwich doesn't do horror. Sandwich it, doesn't do horror. Um, I don't. I'm not against sandwich, it. Sandwich like gets scared. Sandwich, I do. Sandwich. There is a documentary I picked up that I would like to. I would like for you to borrow. Uh, I gotta get the exact name, but it's a Ray Harryhausen documentary. Okay. Uh, and that's not horror. No, no, but it's but monsters and everything like that. So, like I, so, the only thing I, I know about Harry Ray no, Harryhausen mm -hmm. is uh, that's the name of the restaurant in the Pixar film Monsters Inc. For you trivia fans out there, he's right. where they <laughs> wow, yeah, he's right. I didn't even know that. Yeah, good for you, sandwich. Yeah, it's a sushi restaurant. Ray Harryhausen impossible was, to get in the reservation. He was the master of stop motion special effects. He was uh, correct if I'm wrong. Beyond the Monsters Inc. trivia, he he got big credits for King Kong or something, right? He was, My, no. he was inspired greatly. Inspired by King, by King okay. Kong. I thought he, he I did, the, he did like the seventh voyage of Sinbad, the original Clash of the Titans, mm -hmm. uh, a hundred other movies. But yeah, quite literally. Yeah. I met him once. Real nice guy. Oh, no kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. He may have cut a promo for this show, uh, uh, Nick. I don't even know. <laughs> All right, I gotta try to find that then, because I would want to definitely use that. Uh, I, yeah. Sandwich, I, I bring that up only because, uh, you know, he's been, he, like Kev said, like he's been, he's done, been a part of so many monster movies. And he's monster, a legend. Mon he, I mean, he's an absolute legend. Yeah. So, you, so you should be aware of him in that retrospect. But, uh, you know, monster movies are kind of like gateway drug into more horror. So I'm just, I'm just <laughs> saying, it's good, it's good to know this stuff. Um, moving on. Uh, the second season. I don't of, agree with your gateway theory. Just for the record, I see. I, I've. I don't I, see how you go from Seventh Voyage of Sinbad mm -hmm. to Candyman. Listen, I'm not saying it's going to happen in one step, sir. It's like Kevin Bacon. There are there are degrees in between. <laughs> the first hit's free, you, okay? You could. The first one's six, always free. I'm sorry. You could not six degree Seventh Voyage of Sinbad to Candyman in any reasonable fashion. I well, listen, will. That's how, that's how it starts, you know. It's 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 the Sinbads, and then you know, I'm watching other ones, and then I'm craving Candyman, you know. After not too long, so it's a slippery slope, and Monty is trying to be a bad influence on me. Listen, it's it's gonna happen, Sandwich. Don't you worry about it. Um. All right. What's the, the next damn story? Uh, <laughs> the second the season. The boys didn't uh, do. Yes, yep. the second season of the boys will be back soon, but with a different twist. The first three episodes will debut worldwide on Amazon Prime Video on September fourth. The remaining oh. five episodes will air every Friday through October 9th. Series co-creator Eric uh, Kripke refers to the second season as "quote a crazier, stranger, more intense, more emotional." In fact, it's too much. So the Surgeon General has insisted we air the first three episodes on September 4th. 
Then we air the remaining five episodes weekly after that. Uh, we wanted to give you time to freak out, digest, discuss, come down from the high before we give you another dose. Oh, okay. I'm excited. I, I, you know, <laughs> hyperbole aside, I just wish it was now and not September. You know, like all that minutiae about how they're going to release it and this and that. And so what? I just want it now. Well, while we are home, what were you going to say, Sandwich? I'm not a huge fan of dumping episodes. So I like the fact that we're rolling out, you know, the first three and then five. Why'd they pick three? Like, why is that the number? Why not two? Why not four? Like, it's just, I feel it's such like a weird number. And other shows, I feel like I've started doing this where I think, don't quote me on this. I'm not 100% sure. I think Doom Patrol is doing that or did do that where they like dump the first couple episodes and then they're going to weekly air episodes. I don't know. That, that just seems, I don't, I don't know how it's like an extra step, but still feels more lazy to me than just dumping the whole thing. Well, but. I'm assuming that it's going to be so at the three episode mark, I'm assuming that there's just going to be not so much a cliffhanger, but a nice like twist or some kind of big gotcha moment where they really have you wrapped into a storyline and they really want you to know what comes next. So it leaves you on that, that proper cliffhanger where you want to find out what's going on, but you have to come back and check out um, uh, what's there. So I'm assuming th that's the, the way they're going about it. And I do find it interesting how it's... Uh, the Boys is, I want to say, the second or third... Uh, most popular original piece of content that they've done, I want to say, on Amazon Prime. So um, I find it interesting that they are doing this kind of split, you know, uh, three here are three episodes and then week-by-week week basis, um, and they're not kind of building up from something smaller. So I, that, I, that I do find interesting. Um, Andrew Barron's 85 has joined us for the ongoing free preview of the <laughs> Patreon video uh video link here so welcome there you go oh uh, clock's ticking another thing that is worth pointing out uh season two of the umbrella academy is going to be coming out july 31st over on netflix uh they dropped um a poster and some additional photos of season two to get people all excited which i will be honest i that slipped through the cracks. I got to watch season one. I'm, I'm going to try to binge it uh, right away. Uh, I did start watching Doom Patrol since uh, Sandwich brought it up. Mm -hmm. Meh. That's I'm really bad. a little. I'm a little disappointed. I don't know. I I've read Doom Patrol like for a long time in different incarnations, and I don't know. I just this 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 iteration, if you will, of the characters is kind of not really how I see them. Mm -hmm. kinda so yeah i don't know i don't know how, how, I feel about how far it, yeah. are you now in the uh i'm in... like three episodes in i mm. you know what i feel like this it actually kind of ties into umbrella academy umbrella academy and doom patrol both shows that i saw when they first came out and i really liked them as they were coming out and it was new when i digested it but after a while and it kind of like stewed in me like, Doom Patrol kind of fell off a little bit for me personally. And same for Umbrella Academy. I, mean, I think they're bad shows, but I feel like I'm less excited now for season two, you know, than I thought I would be when I first finished everything off of season one. But 
I, I am excited about Umbrella Academy season two. I'm gonna blast through season one again just to refresh myself with it. But um, uh, I also think that's a great book, and I Definitely. I don't honestly I liked the first season. Um, but again, it's that same feeling. You have to get used to the translation, you know, from book to screen, and there's always bits that you know don't quite transfer very well but i'm interested to see what they do with season two yeah uh let's hit on two stories real quickly before going to break <laughs> and i feel like people are either gonna love this or they're gonna hate it so uh, we'll see um a biographical drama called tessa will hit theaters and also be on demand come august 21st ethan hawk is going to be playing nikola tesla uh he's going to talk about his uphill battle against thomas edison uh, who will be played by Kyle uh, McLaughlin. And in the weirdest kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, revival or a throwback or whatever, uh, the Magic School Bus will be coming back. <laughs> uh, this time the live action movie will be played by Elizabeth Banks, who is set to play Miss Frizzle. Uh, the one-time show is based on the 80, the 80 million books from Scholastic that was sold. Uh, as well as a, uh, I think it was a Saturday morning cartoon show. Um, it was an animated series. I don't think it was Saturday morning. I think it was just on most like PBS stations. Okay, yeah, I couldn't quite remember that. Uh, which that sounds more like uh, I don't know, like I don't but, know how they're going to exactly go about uh, uh, the magic school bus. What lesson are we being taught in this movie? What are we exploring in this episode? I know it's a long episode because it's a movie, but I need to know what i'm watching because if it's an episode like about space cool but it's about the body i'm not watching it yeah I'm don't just... like biology <laughs> well you'll listen. notice boys and girls that sandwich has begun to grow hair where he had no <laughs> hair before <laughs> uh, uh is elizabeth banks producing and directing this she as well? is producing it i believe hold on let me uh, she's doing something behind the camera. I just don't know what it is. Okay. Yeah, she's a lot of her projects lately have been her own. So mm -hmm. like either produced or directed. Yeah, or, she's definitely producing it with Max Handelman okay. of Brownstone well, Productions. Is are we like in the last couple of years just in the new generation of let's reboot '90s stuff for for just money? Beavis and Butthead and the Magic School Bus and this <laughs> and that. Welcome. Like, like, why are we doing this? Why? Like because there are no original ideas left. Did we did we literally run out? Well, no. There's I, there's 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 original ideas out there. It's just that you gotta go out of your way to find them. It's not you know that it's those not, are independent movies. Yeah, but they're still out there. Yeah, there's a lot of original content that was uh, uh, posted online still. On one thing, actually, I was gonna I was gonna kind of save it till after the. Actually, you know what? There's something I want to do talk about after break from original thing that was posted on YouTube. Ooh! But I think we should go to break first, boys, because we're running. Uh, we're, we're going long at this point. And with that, Mr. Mayhem and Mr. Sandwich, we will take our first and only break on this episode of Geek Stuff TNG, episode five hundred and ninety-five. Five. Damn it! The one we're calling. What do we decide? When as, the centipede bites, or as centipede bites? As the centipede bites. When, when the centipede bites. After these messages, we'll be right back. 
Monty, where are you getting your comics? From Gotham Comics at GothamComicsNJ.com. Do you know a store doing curbside during this pandemic? Yeah, man. Gotham Comics at GothamComicsNJ.com. But, Lo, what if I don't live nearby? Do you know a store that'll ship my books? Yes, Young Sandwich, at Gotham Comics, which is GothamComicsNJ.com. What about toys, back issues, trades, statues, D&D merch? Yes, yes, and yes. Gotham Comics, whose eBay store is GothamComicsNJ. But, Monty, what if I have questions? Will they answer me on Facebook? Yes, again, just search for Gotham Comics. All right, I get it. You can get basically everything you need at GothamComicsNJ.com or its eBay store, GothamComicsNJ. But what's your favorite comic book location? Oh, dude, the Savage Land, for sure. Wait, really? Not Gotham City? Why? Bro, dinosaurs. Go to GothamComicsNJ.com for the latest books, vintage items on its eBay store, which is GothamComicsNJ, or hit them up on Facebook for random collectibles at Gotham Comics. Build your own X-Wing. Luke Skywalker's legendary Red 5 Starfighter from the Star Wars Saga. The X-Wing is recreated in stunning detail in a massive 1 to 18 scale and comes complete with remote-activated working lights, R2-D2 motorized wings, removable hyperdrive opening cockpit, and a magazine full of fascinating facts, plus an amazing step-by-step assembly guide. You will also receive a free binder, power pack, and bookends model space. Bitch, what you don't know about me, I can just about squeeze in the grand fucking canyon. Hey, this is Kevin Smith, Big Kev's love slave. Did you know I always wanted to be a dancer in Vegas? And you're listening to Big Kev's geek stuff. What do you look so shocked for, man? Fat bastard does this all the time. He thinks just because he don't say anything, it'll have some huge impact when he does open his fucking mouth. Chris, why don't you shut up? Live from Studio M, The Sandwich Shop, and Big Kev Huna Studios, it's Geek Stuff TNG. During our commercial break, you heard from our amazing sponsor, BuildXWing.com. This model is in 118 scale, making it the only fully scaled, fully detailed X-Wing ever made for use with your three and three quarter Star Wars action figures. The X-Wing features many amazing details, like the proton torpedo bay, working engine lights, and light-up R2-D2. The S-foils open into attack position, the laser cannons simulate firing, and the engine lights power up, all by remote control. We recommend you take them up on their premium offer. You get 118 scale hanger accessories to create a detailed display of your X-Wing, including crates, tanks, personnel transporter, landing lamps, fuel pump, ladder, as well as static sta- several static figures, sorry about that, including ground crew members and even Luke Skywalker. Ooh. When you sign up for your subscription each month, in addition to your parts of the model, you'll get four full-color magazines featuring instructions for the parts you're you're receiving, uh, fascinating articles about the original models used during the the movie, and more. You can collect these great sources, materials, in a free binder, which you'll receive as part of your subscription. As a fan of collectibles, you may have seen models like this online or at shows or conventions. I don't need to tell you, the price tag can be quite high. The genius of this system is that you're paying a little each month, as well as having fun putting together yourself. You can check out more info over at buildxwing.com or reach them by the phone at 877-544-6779. Check them out today. There you go. Good job, Sandwich. And there's one, there's one thing we'd like to point out before it uh, slips through the cracks, and I just honestly forget. Uh, our uh, friend of the show, George Vega, 
has just launched a Kickstarter. Yes. Of of interest for folks. Uh, he's doing the uh, volume two of his pop uh, 80s collection. Uh, I picked up uh, mine from him when he came to Gotham Comics in Caldwell, New Jersey. Uh, and first of, all, first of all, let me just say, if you don't like George, if you don't like George Vega, there's probably something wrong with you. It's, yes. And it's not his fault. It's, it's yours. A, it's a you problem. It's, it's, not def- a George it's Vega definitely problem. a you. Like, if I said something bad about George Vega to these guys, I know for a fact they'd be like, well, you were probably being a dick for some reason, and that's why he yelled at you. <laughs> like, that's that's how it would work out. It's probably uh, your fault. Pro- and, and, I, and it would I be. I can't tell you the number of times that George Vega over at Vegemation Press mm-hmm. has come to the aid of this program at conventions and so on and so on. So, yes, yes, we all appreciate we all root for, and you should support George Vega over at Vegemation Press. And uh, check out his Kickstarter. Yes. Uh, Let's put a link to that somewhere. Yeah, it's doing very well right now. I did. Uh, I, I will definitely reshare that on the social medias later. Uh, I will say I picked up recently a, uh, it was a Jay and Silent Bob uh, bookmark that he did with some original artwork on it. It was a great, great little bookmark. I love it. So uh, thank you, George. And check out his Kickstarter, which is doing gangbusters already. Uh, and has a short goal, just of two thousand dollars. It's almost at the fifteen hundred dollar mark right now. So oh, nice! Uh, Get in on the ground floor. Check it out there. Uh, a few other things I just want to hit on really quickly before we uh, talk about some uh, some D and D and some product are um, some things I watched this week because I'm actually trying to make more of a damn effort between the show and other stuff. Uh, the one thing I was talking about was some uh, some uh, ideas, original stuff, uh, or semi original, I should say is that uh, a, a fan-made Gambit short film. Uh, I put was, that on our Facebook also, I think. Awesome. Uh, it's about a 20-minute uh, uh, short film called uh, Gambit Plays for Keeps. And it was... I, I think it was really well done. Uh, I've mentioned before on the show that I'm a Gambit fan. Uh, I think he's probably my favorite X-Men since, uh, you know, the, the, the Jim Lee days of, of X-Men. And uh, I've always been a really big fan. And I think that they did a very nice job between Gambit and the other characters. I don't want to spoil anything for those who have not seen it. Um, but it was a great, it's a great thing. And I actually want to go back and watch it kind of like a, on the big screen and blast the volume and everything. Because it was just that damn good of a show. Uh, excuse me, movie. Um, so there's that. The other thing I want to pimp out was the M. Night Shyamalan show, Servant, on Apple TV+. Plus. I am South and R. Uh, sandwich, what? <laughs> Sam- sandwich is being a bit of a smart ass. Because uh, I, I, I couldn't remember the name of the episode before. And I'm like, something with an R. Uh, but it, I'm about halfway through. And I really do want to finish it. It is that has that kind of that, uh, that M. Night Shyamalan feel of uh, curiosity. Makes no sense. Like you're kind of waiting for the twist. And I'm not really sure where the hell it's going. Uh, and it's a good suspenseful drama thriller, however you want to put it. Uh, and I also figured out that uh, for Apple Plus, I can't remember if I mentioned it last week, because um, it's $5 a month, you can also pay $50 for the flat fee for the full year. So uh, it actually came down, like if I didn't finish this by the end of my what's left of my subscription, which is I think another week or two and a half, uh, I probably would consider getting the one-year service. Because <clears throat> also I, I kind of changed my mind on the Central Park show, the, the animated show that they're doing. Uh, uh-huh. it's, it's good. 
it's growing on me more and more. And like the musical, <laughs> like the musical numbers that they're doing in the show are phenomenal. So I, I've, I've definitely have gone back on that one. Uh, the, you, you didn't mention the presence of uh, acting extraordinaire Eric Roberts in that, uh, that Gambit homemade film. No, I have not mentioned any of that. Did not. Yeah. That's like a that's like if you and I did a movie and we got Eric Roberts to be in it. Cuz that's a guy, let's be honest, from the looks of it, Eric Roberts is a guy you could get to be in your short movie. <laughs> Probably for very little. So, lending that Eric Roberts credibility to a project, <laughs> you know, I think uh, it can't hurt. Uh, the other two things I just want to hit on really quickly uh, is, was Castle Freak, which was a, a Joe Bob uh, drive-in episode, uh, which features, I think it was a 1978 film. Um, just a good horror movie that had, uh, which wasn't, wouldn't be too scary for you, Sam, which if anything, it'll make you laugh a little <laughs> bit, uh, which had some nice twists there. And uh, a anthology film called Southbound, uh, which was kind of a horror drama kind of, uh, a disjointed story that took place uh, in some like desert towns, um, kind of like in the, the Nevada, Texas kind of area, I believe, uh, which had some very surprising good special effects. Uh, it, I think it won some uh, awards at the, an independent uh, Toronto Film Festival, I believe. I have to check the Wikipedia on that. Uh, but definitely Southbound there for that original project is definitely worth checking out uh, if that, that's up your alley. And there you go. That's what I watched for this week. Um, you want to you want to slow walk him into horror using comedy? Let him watch the Friday the Thirteenth. They're all hysterical. I maybe like Army of Darkness. Like just kind of like tell him that that something happened at a cabin. Seriously, more than Jason X. <laughs> I laughed more That's at Jason space one, right? than don't, I don't... did at. Hold on. I laughed more at Jason X than I did at Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Will you stop bashing that movie? Was... <laughs> that... I'm just telling the truth. It's not that bad of a movie. And you laughed at Jason X for all different reasons. Let's be honest here. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the ones we're going to watch, Sandwich. Friday the 13th. So we're going to slow walk you in. Sandwich, we have some uh, D&D news. That, uh, uh, cool, my safe space. Yeah, your safe space. <laughs> uh, can you do me a favor? And uh, this is kind of all up your alley for, for this topic. So can you uh, break down the D&D story for today? All right, hold on. I had break it. Break it and then down. So D&D is trying to banish racist stereotypes in their source material. Impossible. <laughs> not impossible but so basically the article is talking about um in D D, you know there's lots of different uh races for the uninitiated your dwarves your humans and some of the races kind of got a bad rap and they were your more darker races your orcs and your drow the dark elves you know your, your orcs were always considered like bandits or you know, like your stock bandits, or your stock kind of like general thugs, and your drow might have been considered kind of like, I don't know, more shifty characters. I feel like correct me if I'm wrong, Kev. No, I, I no, I agree with you, but I don't. I I think that you know we have to the, go back to the beginning of D and D here, and the beginning of D and D, no matter what anyone says, is Lord of the Rings. 
And Lord of the Rings has racism built right into it. And it's something that no one can deny. Elves and dwarves hate each other. Yeah. Because they're elves and dwarves. Not because, you know, that particular dwarf did something bad or that particular elf did something bad. It's because it's purely based on the fact that he's a dwarf or he's an elf or she. Uh, and and the point is, is that that racism existed in those in those books. Ergo, the you know, the racism sort of carries over to D&D. If you look in the player's handbook under the races, it used to say, now I don't know if it does. I didn't read the, the latest one uh, so much cover to cover, or I did, but I don't remember it as well as like second edition AD&D, where right in the player's handbook, they say, you know, there's usually a throwaway line like dwarves hate elves or something like mm-hmm. there's always some descriptive that says, well, you know, you know, dwarves don't like halflings because they blah, 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 whatever the situation is. They're building, they're building in that distrust mm-hmm. and that hatred. And I, I don't think that's something that they can get rid of. I think that those things are going to continue. However, I think what they're going to get rid of is kind of our world, if you will, stereotypes. And the book that they're targeting for this is Oriental Adventures from way back in the 80s. Way back. When everybody and their mother wanted to be a ninja in D&D. And you couldn't do it because there was no ninja class. Or samurai, I think, might be another one. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's kind of an offshoot of fighter. I honestly yeah, Samurai, samurai is in... Um... Xanathar's Guide now. They put it as a fighter subclass now. Yeah, that's what I figure. It's the fighter yeah. subclass. But 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 way back then, you know, there was this period where ninjas were so popular. You know, there were a couple of movies about ninjas. You know, there was some other some other things about ninjas. Ninjas were super popular. Everybody wanted to be a ninja. Everybody played D&D wanted to play a ninja. And the best you could sort of do was be an assassin kind of assassin monk combo it was just weird and i think i think tsr who was the owner at the time still the original owner um i think tsr just wanted to capitalize on sort of this uh sort of this asian uh influence or culture popularity at the time and they simply just put out a book saying you guys can play ninjas and samurais in the D and D world, you know, and that's base. I mean, there, and I think there are other subclasses as well inside of that, uh, Oriental adventures book. Um, and of course there's a lot of other Asian, you know, dragons and other sorts of mystical creatures from Asian mythology and so on and so forth. And, and I just think it was for them. I think it was the first time they were kind of like looking at popular culture, sorta um and saying we can capitalize on that because don't forget popular culture way back then was star wars you know the star wars movies and space and there wasn't a lot of fantasy things D was well underground still at that point 
and there was no there was no Lord of the Rings movies. There was no it was not even Willow yet. I'm not that that's any great sort of you know fantasy movie by any means. But the point is, all of the real popular culture, if you will, was space based, and the only way that they could capitalize on that was to do a space game, which they did called i don't don't remember what it's called but uh you know they did a space role-playing game where they were able to capitalize on some of those elements and the closest that they could do with sort of the little blip of of uh asian popularity was to just do a DD book about everything asian if you will there you go so i think you know I understand in a way why they're trying to kind of pull away, especially with the climate we're in now, not to get political, uh, the climate we're in now where they want to kind of eliminate that stigma and make it more like open for everyone where, you know, if you want to be a drow, there isn't going to be a stigma built into the game where, you know, other elves might kind of look down on you or, you know, for the orcs, you know, you're not going to look that as a thug. It looks good on paper. So for the sake of Watsy. If that's what they have to do, then fine. Um, I think Orient- Oriental Adventures sounds great. I think the name needs work because I feel like that too in this uh, in the political world we're in now well, might be a little rough. Not only will that book never see the light of day, I think yeah. it was it either has been or is going to be pulled for sale. I guess in PDF form or something where they sell it online. Uh, I heard it's either going to be pulled or has already been pulled. Um, Yeah, because you just you can't do that. And it's going to make the printed version of that book shoot up in value, I would think. I always like, though, in D&D where we get more things besides, you know, like your stock standard, like these are the dragons. They do this all the time. Like, you know, the Asian dragons are kind of like longer and they're more like kind of like. Mystical. I kind of like that look more, like that kind of like long. I hate to say noodle shape, but like you know, they look kind of like spindly more. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Besides, they it's look like, like it's like a dumpling <laughs> with with a noodle attached to, like an udon noodle, right? Like a dumpling with an udon noodle, and you know, like you a get what sauce, I'm saying. Like come on, like a brown, like like that brown sauce they use on everything, hoisin. <laughs> Poison sauce. That's what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on. I'm trying to make a point here. That Oh, I know. Uh, <laughs> Go on. The, the idea of, you know, different stuff in D&D, you know, different takes on things is always great, which is why, you know, I'm excited when they do, you know, Eberron and they're doing, you know, the Greek book that's coming out next month. And, you know, if they can do a, a, a I hate to say it, a PC version of Oriental Adventures, I'd be all over that book. Because it's something new. Like I always like new settings and new takes on things. You know, the the Frost Maiden, the Frost Maiden book coming out in September, where it's all icy, and you know, I, I could definitely see like kind of a Nordic theme there, or like an yeah, extra Gothic horror. You theme. understand? You understand what the difference is here, right? It's not a fantasy setting. They're taking, you know, sort of classic Asian. Uh, Sort of, for lack of a better expression, uh, roles or character uh, types and classic Asian uh, mythology, and they're kind of they're trying to weave it into this D and D universe that exists. 
but they're doing it with things that actually exist. And there's an actual culture already built up around those things. And they're just kind of pirating it. In the case of Oriental Adventures, they're just kind of pirating it into D&D ham-handedly. No. The other point, though, that I think you make with regards to, uh, well, you know, there's always, you know, they're not going to talk about how orbs, or, uh, elves and dwarves don't like each other. Yeah, they are. That's never going to go away because it's part of the original. It's part of the original source material, which is Lord of the Rings. And Lord of the Rings is not being reprinted with, uh, you know, with the sections with Gimli and Legolas going. And immediately Gimli and Legolas were friends and never busted each other's chops or distrusted each other because <laughs> they were of races that did not stay, could not stand each other. Legolas's dad hates Thor. They, how many, look, read, watch the Hobbit movies. Watch the Lord of the Rings movies. That stuff's, ne that part of it is never going away. But Oriental Adventures, I think, is an entirely different thing. So I think what we can conclude is that there are, there are racial stereotypes and that sort of thing in D&D, &D, but I think they're purposeful and created. And I think it's because in telling a story of diverse races that come together and, you know, kind of do their thing there's you know there, there's there's going to be elements that reflect the real world for good or for bad and I, I think that's the case oriental adventures i think however was a money grab in the 80s based on some pop culture and uh i think that's yeah i i'm i'm not uh upset at all that they're going to pull that book from online circulation if that's what they're doing with it now and I, I, you know, I, I really don't see the need to keep it around. And, you know, there's other ones as well. There were some, I want to say in the late 90s or early 2000s, maybe it's early 2000s, that were like Middle Eastern themed as well. So I think we may, you may expect to hear, although that wasn't a book per se, there were like some modules and some other things. Uh, maybe a campaign setting that I'm forgetting the name of at the moment. The point is, is that I think you can, I think you can expect even that there might be additional, um, additional items that are kind of put away in the box, much in the way that like Song of the South has never been released in the U.S. You know, from Disney because that shit is racist. So you know, like. I just think that there's there's a tone of D and D that is always going to have some sort of um, what's the right word xenophobia. There uh -huh. are races that are xenophobic, uh, meaning that they don't trust other races or don't like or trust other races, and I think that's an element that's not going to go away in D and D. Hey, there's a, there's I, something I'd like to add really quickly before we oh. run the product. Uh, Ray Harryhausen was in Mighty Joe Young with. Charlize uh, Theron, who was entrapped with Kevin Bacon. He was in it? Yes, he was actually in it. Oh, I see. So there you go. So so maybe he, fact, did the did he did the original Mighty Joe Young? Maybe he did. I don't know. That's a good question. I fucking loved that movie when I was a kid. I fucking He didn't do the effects that. on it. He appeared in it. Yeah, but he was, I'm, I'm talking about the 1998 out. movie, Mighty Joe Young. And, and you are not connecting... You're you're not the 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 idea was not to connect Kevin Bacon to Ray Harryhausen, sir. The idea was to connect Ray Harryhausen movies 
to modern you said horror Ray movies. Harryhausen. You said Ray Harryhausen. I'll go back. I'll listen to this. When I'm editing it, you said Ray Harryhausen to Kevin Bacon. And that's what I did. Hey, we're, hey, we're <laughs> going to talk about a brandy new company today. TKO Studios. Yeah. I'm excited for this. I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, they're, and they're putting out some amazing, amazing books, which we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Ooh. Uh, as I read and report back on them, I'm going to put the first one up here for the video, folks. Ooh, it's Ooh. probably backwards to you, right? No, it's good. Uh, no. It's called Seven Deadly Sins, uh, written by Sei Jun, uh, who worked on Gotham and Once Upon a Time. Drawn by Art Yam Trakhanov, who did work on Undertow and Turncoat. Turncoat? I might have read that book. And Julia Brusco, who worked on Django Unchained and Scalped. Uh, that's the colorist, by the way. Uh, let me give you a little, little uh, background here. 1867. Texas, a group of death row criminals is recruited by a priest for a suicide mission into uh, Comanchera. Led by an outlaw with a bloody past, Ooh. this deadly crew embarks on an action-packed adventure in this bold new vision of the American West. So, artwork's real nice. I'm going to get back to you on how the story is and, and all that, but there you go. That sounds like a really interesting, very derivative of a lot of things, but things that you like to be, you know, derivative together. Uh, next one I'm going to talk about. I'm going to show it on the screen. Good Night Paradise. Yeah. Uh, Good Night Paradise is written by Joshua Desart, who did Unknown Soldier and Hellboy. Uh, drawn by Alberto Ponetti. Ponicelli, who did The Dark Knight and Unknown Soldier. So I guess they're back together. And colored by the fabulous Julia Brusco, who we just mentioned uh, for Django Unchained, Scalped, and Seven Deadly Sins. So there you go. Little uh, flavor text for you here. When down and out Eddie stumbles upon the body of a murdered teenage runaway, he vows to bring her killers to justice. His investigation brings him into the darkest truths of his beachside town where he finds he may be the only one who cares enough to solve this murder. Dun, dun, dun. I like the artwork. I'm looking at the, the some of the digital yeah. stuff online. Like nice, simplistic, but kind of uh, dramatic there. I, kind of, I dig that look. In what? Good Night Paradise? Yeah, I mean, I like, I, like, I like both of them. But, but, uh, All right. But both very, very good. Have a look here. Book number three. It's called Sarah. Sarah <laughs> is by a guy you might know, known Ooh. as Garth Ennis. He's done a thing or two. Yeah. Punisher, Preacher, The Boys, which Ooh. we've mentioned a million times. Drawn by Steve Epting, who's worked on Captain America, Velvet, and others. And colored by Elizabeth Breitweiser, Ooh. who's worked on Batman, Outcast, and Kill or Be Killed. Um, Nazi-occupied Russia, 1942, in the second terrible winter of the Siege of Leningrad, seven women snipers find themselves caught up in the struggle against the German invader. Their deadliest shot is Sarah, whose inner demons may yet prove her undoing. 
But with the enemy to their front and the agents of the Soviet state lurking in the shadows, how long can any of the squad survive the terrifying maelstrom of war? So there you go. So you got a Western, you got a mystery, you got a war book. And this is the one they're all talking about, boys, putting it on screen right now. Sentient. Called Sentient. Sentient. Sentient is written by uh, Jeff Lemire, who is the creator of the Black Hammer universe for Dark Horse, which I absolutely love. Uh, Gabriel Walta, also uh, doing work on this book. Uh, This is the one that is currently up for an Eisner, I think, of this group. I think this one's up for an Eisner Award. Um, Welcome to the USS Montgomery. When When a separatist attack kills every adult on board a colony ship in deep space, it is up to Valerie, the onboard AI, to help the ship's children survive. But as they are pursued by dangerous forces, can Valerie become more than what she was programmed to be? A savior to these children? Do, do, do. So, yeah, there it is. That's sentient. So, this, uh, these are four uh, collected uh, books uh, from TKO Studios. You want to go to tkopresents.com and you can see more information about all these books. It's a standard fare, uh, $20 trade. This one collects six issues. I imagine they all collect six issues. Uh, but you can check that out over at the website. Uh, I'm going to be reading each of these books over the next four weeks. I'm going to be giving you uh, a review on each of these books so you can check out uh, for yourself these books uh, from TKO Studios and other books that come in the future. Uh, you know, we always like to, you know, we always like to point a, a light, if you will, at the people who are doing it independently. For sure, people who are starting their own thing, they're telling their own stories. They're maybe not. None of these books are really the superhero genre. None of them. Nope. So you want to get a variety in your reading. You want to get these independent stories, and there you go. TKO is is one of the newer companies that's bringing that to you. So look forward to those reviews coming up in the next few weeks. And this is part of the thing that really sucks for me in terms of like not being able to go to conventions or shows of any, any level. Cause this is how you find a lot of these artists and how you talk to these writers and how, how some person goes, Oh, did you check out that booth over there around the corner? And how you just strike up conversations and you find out kind of how this is like a passion project that someone's working on. Um, or something that, that they came up with their friend or whatever the case may be. And these are the kind of comics that I just, I love hearing about these kind of stories. I love hearing about these kind of developers, um, who aren't from like the major companies who are, who are trying to put a a solid product out. And, uh, you know, and big Kev, just to add on to what you said, uh, their website also links onto uh, comicsology. So if people are kind of still worried about, uh, leaving their home, um, but want something they there can, you go. They can, a great they can go with the digital version uh, over on Comixology, which uh, you know, yes. you like hard copies, you like digital, whatever works for you. I don't, I don't give a damn. Um, boys, anything else that you want to add on before we wrap things up? Going I want to know how um, I want to know how sandwiches anniversary was. Sandwich, how was it? It was nice. What'd time. you do? What'd you do? <laughs> what I do? COVID cupcakes. <laughs> 
Did you make COVID uh, cupcakes we, together? We, no, we're not going. No, there was a place that opened up near microphone, my house. Microphone. Microphone. Uh, sorry, I there's a place uh, that opened up near my house, and uh, we went there. And for some what, reason, what place? What sort of place? Uh, was it, was it pub. ski ball? Was no, it was a, a lawnmower shop? A tavern. <laughs> I see. Okay. And we went there, and by the grace of God, my girlfriend's grandfather was there. And we went out with him, and he paid for my anniversary. So uh, <laughs> thank you to Brian, uh, the old Irish grandfather, for paying for my anniversary dinner. Um, not that I couldn't, but... I'm sure it was his pleasure. I'm sure he took great pleasure in doing that for you. And for his grandmother. So, so, so his, his accent, that's not his accent, but he does have the accent. But it's there. Ah. Uh. God damn, that's, that a different, was, that's a different that's a different uh, region that, I've learned. That was the highlight a, of the show right there. I'm so glad that you asked that question now, Kev. Yeah. Uh, but you can catch us each and every week over at geekstufftng.com. You can also check us out on the social medias. We are on the Instagram. We are on the Facebook. We are on the Twitter as GeeksofTNG. You can catch me online as Monty's Mayhem, M-O-N-T-E-S-M-A-Y-H-E-M. I'm on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, um, somewhere else, probably Facebook and uh, MySpace and YouTube. Go, Big Kev. MySpace. Wait, MySpace. <laughs> I am on the Xbox One network as Big Kev GS, and I am everywhere else as BK Geek Stuff. Beautiful and uh, Young Sandwich. Sorry, the romantic one. Go. <laughs> you can find me on Xbox and Instagram at Fat Dumbledore. F-A-T-D-O-M-B-L-E-D-O-R-E. Fantabulous. And with that, Big Kev. With that, Mr. Mayhem and Mr. Sandwich, we will uh, bring this episode of Geek Stuff TNG to a close. The episode number 595. Wow, who'd have thunk it? Um, Oh, but before we do that, we should say we do have surprises in store for episode 600. Ooh, that's true. Ooh, so yeah, you're going to want to definitely tune in for that one. And uh, yes, so with that, we will bring this episode, the one we called When the Centipede Bites, uh, to a close the way we end some episodes by saying, Good night, Carl Reiner. Wherever you are. And on that note, we cue the music. <laughs>